Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Straight Shooting with Pistol Pete. Today, I have the pleasure to be joined by Michael Kay. Michael is the New York Yankees play-by-play announcer for the Yes Network. He's been there since 2002 and currently hosts his own radio show, The Michael K Show, which appears weekdays 3 to 7 on ESPN 98.7 FM and can also be seen on the Yes Network. Michael, first and foremost, how are you? How are your kids and how are your wife doing during this time? I think we're hanging in there, Peter. I mean, I, I feel sorry for my kids. They're five and seven. Thank God they have each other. You know, I've heard from other parents that if you have an only child, they get really lonely. We've really been trying to hunker down, and they haven't had much interaction at all with anybody but themselves, so they've been able to play around the yard and stuff like that. But um, the most important thing is we're healthy. I hope that you and yours are, are as well. We are. Thank you very much. And I enjoyed seeing your two kids recite the retired numbers on your Instagram page. That was uh, very well done. <laughs> and I've got them, uh, I think I've got them up to um, Casey Stengel now. At that point, I only had them up to 10. They're having a hard time with, uh, with Mo, with, uh, with Reggie, uh, with Gidry, and with uh, Williams. So when they get those four, then I'll have them all. All right. Getting close. We're getting close. Um <laughs> First thing I want to ask you, your home run call, see ya. A-Rod uses it now when he does his Instagram videos, which I think is hilarious. Uh, when he ends his Instagram videos, he ends with see ya a lot of the time. Um, it's wrong. Yeah, it just takes it from <laughs> you. No credit at all. Um, <laughs> how did that come about? When was the first time you used it on a broadcast? And then when you knew it kind of stuck? Well, I, I, I got the radio gig in the um – I guess January of 2001 to work with John Sterling. And uh, at the time I was dating a young lady uh, who lived in Suffern. And whenever I would drop her off after a date, she'd get out of the car and she'd say, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Uh, and I, I guess that's a line from New Jack City. Um, so then when the season came around, I said, gee, I guess I should have a home run call. So I just narrowed it down to see ya. I didn't add wouldn't want to be ya. And I think it was like the first home run I called in spring training uh, on the radio. I said, see ya, you know, there it goes, see ya. And it's been that way ever since for, uh, I guess it's uh, 29 years since we've been the 29th year. You worked with John Sterling on the radio for about a decade and then eventually moved on to Yes Network when it started up in 2002. Do you have a favorite John Sterling story that you could tell or what just overall your experience working with him? Well, I love John. Uh, I think he's an unbelievable broadcaster. You know, he's, he's certainly flamboyant and, uh, you know, he certainly has his, his signature calls. But when it comes down to a big moment, he's a great play-by-play guy. He has a great voice. He has great cadence. He has great rhythm in all of his calls. Um, probably the thing that I always tell people about in terms of a memory with John was the first time uh, we were ever on the air together for a regular season game was the Yankees and the Red Sox opening day at the Yankee Stadium. And this was my dream since I was nine years old was to be the Yankee announcer. And here I am sitting in the booth at Yankee Stadium and he turns to me. Um, he says, and it's like seconds before airtime. He said, I, I have two bits of uh, advice for you as you embark on this. I said, oh, great. So I'm thinking he's going to say, speak from the sternum, you know, whatever. He just give me, like, a lesson on how to do it. And he said, um, don't ask me my age on the air. And don't be alarmed. Sometimes I speak to myself. And that was it. That was my introduction to John. And it was helpful because he, he certainly um, does talk to himself every now and then to let off some steam. 
sometimes while I was doing play-by-play, he would just turn off his mic, and I'd see him talking. And back in those days, he thought that if people knew how old you were, you might lose your job because of ageism. Now he's very open about it. You know, on July 4th, he'll turn 82. And I think now ageism works in your favor because when you're 80, ain't nobody getting rid of you at 82 because then it's, it's wrong to do that too. So uh, John has it figured out. He's the best. So a video recently resurfaced. I believe it was from the Buddy Funhouse on Twitter regarding your interview with George Steinbrenner. Uh, 1995, following the ALDS when the Yankees lost to the Mariners. And you had a chance to catch up with George Steinbrenner pretty much right after the loss. And it was a painful one for Yankee fans for sure. Uh, Don Mattingly, that's the last time you saw him. But I think the most interesting thing from that interview was the boss saying, we're getting back to work tomorrow and we're going to get started. And then, you know, obviously they won the World Series in 1996 and then the rest was history. They won 98 and 92,000. So what was your most memorable moment from that interview and the biggest takeaway you got? Well, I just remember, you know, you know, the pre and post game show on, on MSG in terms of me doing something live was in its infancy. So they hadn't made the playoffs while MSG had the, um, the rights and they finally made the playoffs. And I was out there doing the radio and they had a satellite that they had paid for up to a certain time. And once that time hit, I think it might've been midnight West coast time. That was it. We were, I was down. There was no way I was getting on the air. And I just remember I was, you know, I'd done my work in, in the, in the clubhouse and I had asked George Steinberg to come out and I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And he came out, I think, and we had two minutes and 30 seconds left on the satellite. And I just remember, I didn't want, I wanted him to give good answers, but I didn't want him to go on and on because we would have been cut off at 2.30. They were not paying for more satellite time. And, um, you know, in watching that, it was kind of neat to see how young I was. And, you know, that was, that was like the height of George. And all the things he said turned out to be prescient, how it was important to have the kids travel with the team and Derek Jeter was there and, you know, they would learn from that. Um, that, that flight home and that game and that whole series was just amazing. We had no idea that it would be the beginning of the, you know, the most recent dynasty, but that was a night I'll never forget because as he's talking to me, we're right outside the clubhouse. Mariner fans are coming down the, the walkways from the, from the stands and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. They see George Steinbrenner and I'm, in my head, I've got a clock going, all right, we've got two minutes. We've got a minute 30. Wow. So all of those things is what I remember about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So in 2002, like I mentioned in the beginning, you joined the Yes Network, became the main play-by-play announcer, and have been there ever since. You got to see Derek Jeter play and call almost every game he played. Obviously, there's national broadcast that you weren't able to call, but you saw him announce almost every single game, his 3,000th pit, history with an exclamation point. I remember exactly where I was. When I was watching that, Mr. November, that was before, yes, on the radio uh, in 2001, obviously, with the Diamondbacks. His last game at Yankee Stadium. And then yesterday you had the dive into the stands anniversary with John Flaherty's hit as well. So many great moments, so many great calls. It's kind of a two-part question. Do you have a favorite out of all the calls you've done with Jeter specifically? And the second one is, had you come up with some of those things? Like I said, Mr. November history and exclamation point. Did that just kind of pop into your head at the moment? Um, you know, I actually told Derek once, you know, thank, thank you for letting me 
piggyback on your amazing moments, you know, because I'll always be connected because they always have, it seemed like I was on the mic for all of these great moments. So, uh, you know, if that's my little sharing of history with Derek Jeter, I'll take it. Probably my favorite call is the history with an exclamation point. Um, I, I, I really, I don't plan calls because I find that if you plan calls and you can hear some announcers do because they don't want to get caught. I think they come out really artificial and they come out stilted. Um, the weird thing about the history with an exclamation point is the night before the game, I, I had a dream where Jeter hit a home run for a 3,000 hit. And I was announcing the game. And I said in my dream, 3,000 history with an exclamation point. Wow. So I had just certainly forgotten it when, when you know, I'm doing the game. And who, who thinks he's going to get a home run? Yeah. First 3,000. Up to that point, only Wade Boggs had ever done that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the ball is going out, and I just start saying it. And then I remember that's what I said in my dream. <laughs> Crazy. So it's kind of spooky. I, I don't even know how to explain that because I'm not into that, like, kind of witchcrafty stuff. <laughs> but uh, when, he get, when the guys last hit at Yankee Stadium and I said uh, – um, did you have any doubt? Uh, you know, right. Derek Jeter, a fantasy, it just Reality. came out. Came, yeah. It just came out. I, I didn't plan it. So I think that's the best way to do it. If I planned it, I'd probably screw it up. Well, as a Yankee fan, I will never forget where I was for each of those, the last hit at Yankee Stadium, and then the threes down the hit. So thank you for that. Um, oh. Crazy story is I was supposed to be there the night before, and we all know what happened then. The rains came. And it got washed out. I was on the Grand Concourse in front of the courthouse, parked, ready to go. And then that didn't come to be. So then I couldn't get tickets for the next day. And I wound up watching it on TV. But oh. I got to hear your call. So that was good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one, one other part of that is that they were going on a road trip after that. Mm -hmm. A road trip that I was not on. I was not scheduled to be on. Wow. So I really did want to make the call because I'd known the kid since he was drafted. Right. I wanted to be on the mic, and I, you know, I, I never root. I try not to root, but inside, yeah. I really want to see him do it so I could see it live and make the call. But I, I had some pressure, but that stinks. The rain out hurt a lot of people because you could take those tickets and use it the next day. Right. Yeah, that was unfortunate. But like I said, I watched on TV and got to experience it that way, so that was pretty cool. I'm going to switch gears to what's going on present day. The coronavirus has wreaked havoc across the entire world and has affected baseball, of course. But recently, the Major League Baseball, the owners, and the players finally came to an agreement. And looks like, barring any setbacks, any crazy outbreaks, the season's going to start July 23rd or July 24th. I want to get your perspective. I'm sure you talked about this on your radio show within the last couple of weeks or so since they got to that agreement. What did you make of the negotiations between the two and how it publicly played out? I thought it was pretty embarrassing how it played out. I thought it was shameful. You know, and speaking about Jeter, he was so honest the other day on a, on a podcast that's connected with the Marlins. He came right out and said it should have never been public. Listen, I, I know the whole thing is about money. This is a big business. All sports are a big business. It's an escape for people, but the people that are involved in it, that's how they make their living. Uh, the owners make money. The players uh, earn their living. And so I, I understand going back and forth. But the fact that it became public, and the fact that you've got a country where over 40 million people are unemployed at the time of the negotiations um, or the back and forth, it was about 110,000 people in this country alone dead from the virus. It just looked awful. I think baseball really missed a chance to be at the forefront of helping people heal. They should have been playing 
starting tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, they would have had the whole sports calendar to themselves for a month. Uh, instead, they engendered unbelievable bad will. Um, people got sick of it. People didn't want to hear it. People said that this was the wrong time. And it bothered me. It really did. Um, I just didn't understand the leaking of all the negotiations and the back and forth. That should have been done on Zooms, behind closed doors. Never should have gotten out because they treated it like it was a national election. Yep. Well, the fans weren't voting on what they were going to agree to. Right. The sides were going to talk about it. So what, what the fans believed and which, which way they leaned really meant nothing. And I, I think it, it will serve as a, a black mark for a long time in baseball. People are angry. People did not want to hear that. That was a wrong time to hear it. It should have been done behind closed doors, and they should have come to an agreement sooner. Yeah, and that, baseball is my sport. I played it growing up. I've watched it since I was, you know, five years old, and I loved it. And I was just as annoyed as you were. I'm sure a lot, you know, ton of, tons of fans, or if you just looked at Twitter, people were, you know, taking sides, blaming the owners, blaming the players. But it just got to a point where it's just like, you know, every day you, you see in fighting back and forth. And yeah, the, pub, the public thing was something I didn't like at all. I think easily could have been done on Zoom calls, like you said, behind the scenes. And they made up you know, a mockery of it. And I mean, exciting we're getting baseball back, but just the process it took to get back was pretty sad. Yeah. I, like I said, serve me the cake. I don't care right. how you made it. Right. Instead, we had to go through every step of the breaking of the eggs and the right. flour. I, I don't care. When I go to a restaurant, I don't watch the chef cook the food. <laughs> I just want the food and I'm going to eat it. And that's what the whole country wanted. They wanted to tell me when and where. And tell me when the games start. And that's all that we needed to know. So for you, this season, come July 23rd and for the rest of the year, do you know you're playing at as far as are you going to be at the ballpark at home games, calling games, and then for away games, what's the plan there? The plan right now is for us to be at Yankee Stadium for the home games. And for the road games, uh, we'll be doing it from the studio in front of a monitor. That's the plan right now. Obviously subject to change. Uh, all the protocols are in place at both the stadium and at our, you know, our studios in Stanford. So we're ready to go. Uh, from what I know at the stadium, uh, since the visiting team will not have a broadcast group there, I'll be in one booth. Um, David Cohn will be in another booth. Okay. Uh, and uh, so we'll be separated, but we can see each other through the glass. And obviously the windows will be open, which will be much better in terms of, uh, you know, what you hear about the virus. It doesn't transfer that well outdoors. So. You know, for the 30 home games, I think uh, we were, we'll be in pretty good shape, knock on wood. Are you going to – it's going to be an adjustment for you, you think, broadcasting those games remotely rather than being at the stadium, not getting the same vantage point you might get when you're actually at the stadium as compared to being in the studio? Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be different. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I'm a, there are broadcasters that work totally off the monitor. Right. Which means for those that are in the business, they look at the TV, what's on the TV, and they call it off that even if they're in the ballpark. I've never felt comfortable doing that, so I, I look at the field because when you see a ball hit the bat, sometimes it looks like it's going to be deeper, but you just watch the outfielders, mm -hmm. and you can tell how the ball is hit. On a television broadcast, they can't do that. You know, They're following the batter out of the box, and then they switch to the outfielder, so it's not all fluid like that. It's going to be different, and there's going to be stumbles and, and missteps, and uh, hopefully you know, after a while it becomes normal. You know, We almost had a little practice of it, me – David Cohn and Paul O'Neill, we did um, one of the computerized games between the Yankees and the Red Sox. About I saw a month that, yep. And, you know, we had difficulty. I mean, those are computerized figures. We had diff I had difficulty reading the bat off the ball. Mm. I think this will be easier. But, you know, the way I explain it, Peter, is that 
the world is in a really weird place right now. So right. we just have to adapt. It's not the perfect situation and nobody expects it to be perfect. And if anybody expects us to be perfect, well, I thank them for having that faith in us, but we're going to, we're going to have mistakes along the way. So just a few more things and I'll let you go. The minor league baseball season was unfortunately canceled. I believe it was yesterday. It was officially canceled. All those minor leaguers now are not going to be able to complete the playing games. The major league roster is going to be set at 30 and then it's going to transfer back to 28 and then 26, you know, as the season goes on. For those guys who are going to be in the minor leagues who aren't going to be able to play games, how tough is you going to think it's going to be? If a guy gets injured, they got to be ready to go. What's your thoughts on the minor league situation? It's a big concern. I mean, they're not going to be playing games except against each other, and that's always difficult. Um, and you have to wonder how are they going to police themselves? Uh, are they going to go out? I mean, they're going to be in Moosick, Pennsylvania, where – Right. So I think that's a concern. And will they, will they be ready to go? I mean, one of the strengths of the Yankees is that they're very deep right. and they have incredible depth in their, um, uh, in their farm system. So I think that if somebody gets hurt or somebody goes, goes down with COVID-19, God forbid, mm -hmm. that, that the, the teams that are best able to absorb that and the ones with the best minor league system and the minor league players, and they're able to keep them ready. Those will be the guys that will, will do the best, I think. And I'm sure you talked about this on your radio show too, but I'm going to ask it anyway uh, to get your perspective here. The universal DH and extra innings have been a hot topic of discussion amongst the baseball fans and the baseball community and people around the world, you know, discussing the universal DH. People don't like it. People don't like it. And the runner on second base, I don't like it, but I, I love the DH. I think it should have been a long time ago. That's just my opinion. But, and then the runner on second, I totally get it for this year just because you don't want games going so long, such a short year. So I just want to get your perspective on those two rules. I never understood the, uh, the obsession with the pitcher hitting. I mean, most of them stink. They, they haven't hit since they were kids. Right. Uh, so, I mean, for every dramatic Bartolo Colon home run, you get hapless at bats by pitchers. It's just – it's ridiculous. And people all but the strategy. Uh, get over it. I, I'd, rather see, I'd rather see some more offense in the game and have a real hitter come up three or four times rather than the pitcher – and this way, the pitcher stays in the game longer rather than having to get pinch hit for right. in the fifth inning if the game is one nothing. Uh, so the, the universal DH should have been happening decades ago. Uh, I don't like the runner at second base. To me, that's a clown show. I mean, it's a carnival act. You know, why don't you just have a home run derby too? But as you said, and this year I understand, you don't want people at the ballpark that long. You don't want 19 innings of play. So you try to end it as soon as possible. The problem with that, is if you start the 10th inning with a runner at second base, unless it's the 3, 4, and 5 hitter, the play is to bunt the guy over to third. This is a sport where people don't know how to bunt anymore, so that's going to be very interesting to see. So there's going to be a level of uh, a strategy that's going to have to go into it, but the bottom line is I, uh, I, I get it. This is the year to get funky. This is the year to try things, but I hope going into the future that we don't start extra innings with a runner at second base. I'm glad that in the postseason that will not be a thing. My buddy brought up a good point, and I agree with him on it. Could you imagine the Yankees-Red Sox last game of the season playing each other for a division title, tied after nine innings? That's how it's going to decide the division title? That's uh, pretty, pretty interesting if that's going to come. It's, I mean, like putting, right. it's like putting hamster in a maze. I mean, decide the game that way. It's, it's not baseball. It just, but, you know, they tried it out in the minor leagues, and I get them doing it this year, so I'm not going to go nuts about it. But I hope that when everything returns to normal, that that's not – one of the things that comes along with this. So it's a 60-game season. It's a sprint. We know baseball is a marathon with 162. This is a sprint. 
my opinion, I think it's going to be great. Every game matters. You're going to be watching every pitch, every inning. Some people take days off from watching games just because the season's too long and not every game matters. But this case, every game is going to matter. So the first part of my question is this. Do you think this could be the most exciting year ever if everything goes to plan and they're able to play the 60 games? And then the second part to that is, will there be an asterisk come the end of the season in your mind with the World Series winner? Well, you know, I like what Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks said about winning the NBA title. He said that there shouldn't be an asterisk because this will be the hardest one ever, you know, to, to sit out for three months. Um, this is going to be different. This is not – now, the beauty of baseball is the length of the season, 162 games, which separates the good teams from the bad teams. You know, time will, will really reveal the imposters. But this is a year, it's going to be exciting because I believe that all 30 teams have a chance. Even the worst teams in baseball sometimes go off on a 31-29 and 29, um, run in 60 games. So I think every game is going to be important. Every game is going to be at least three times more important than any other regular season game that you've seen I think getting off to a good start is important um, a losing streak can bury you if you have a seven game losing streak that would be like a 19 game losing streak in a 162 game season so uh, I think that there's going to be an excitement level to it but it is going to be different it's not going to be a real baseball season but I'm just glad that we have baseball because once you get out of the 60 game portion of it then the playoffs are just like every other thing right. so the teams that get in they're going to have to win all those playoff uh, series and get to the World Series. So I think it'll be different. Uh, I think that there'll be a mental asterisk, if that makes sense. But there shouldn't be a physical one because if you can get through the season healthy and alive, I think that's a big thumbs up. And the final thing before I let you go, I know you had pretty serious vocal cord surgery last year. I was actually sitting next to you. And I don't know if you remember it. Uh, we were in a Yes Network meeting and you couldn't talk because you had to communicate on your phone. Yeah. I was sitting right next to you. So I remember that like it was yesterday, and you missed a good chunk of the season because of that. How are you feeling now, and do you feel like you're as close to 100% as you can be? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been pretty lucky, Peter, because um, you know, I came back, first couple of games back, um, I think it was against the Indians, and then I went to the Oakland series on the coast. It wasn't strong, and I was really, really nervous that you know maybe it would not return. Right. But over time, by the end of the year, it felt normal. Uh, it has felt normal doing the radio show. Uh, it felt normal during spring training when I did a couple of games, maybe one. Uh, so, so far, so good. Uh, I don't feel any after effects at all. It was a real challenging time mentally, uh, a lot of anxiety. You know, you make your living with your voice, and all of a sudden, you don't have it anymore. Right. Uh, I couldn't speak for six weeks. So that was scary, and you start to imagine the worst because I'm a, a glass-half-empty guy, not a glass-half-full guy. But uh, thank God it turned out fine, and uh, I'm looking forward to calling games again. And we're looking forward to hearing you for sure. Baseball starts in a couple of weeks now. I think the first workout will actually be on the 4th of July, official team workout, guys reporting, getting tested. So hopefully they can stay healthy. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, if 10, 10 11 guys start testing positive on a team, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think anyone knows. But Hopefully we could have an optimistic outlook and hope we can get baseball on our TV. And like I said, watch you call games and listen to you uh, day in and day out. So thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Good luck with your radio show, radio show today. Um, and then, uh, you know, hopefully I'll see you at the S Network Studios a uh, couple of weeks or whenever you're in there. All right, just from six feet away. All right, Peter? Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. 
for more straight shooting content, you can follow me on Twitter at PistolPete11. That's Pistol with two L's, Pete11. Or subscribe to my YouTube channel under Peter Kersick Jr. That's Peter, K-E-R-S-I-C-H Jr. Or you could do both. For now, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.